The Retail Ready Podcast is proudly sponsored by Botanica Blends. Straight from the Wizard's Cauldron, we stock delicious plant protein for the likes of our famous vanilla cake batter and caramelized popcorn. We've got desserts like our dreamy jelly, vegan custard, and our latest date-free protein bars. We are currently offering 20% off to all Retail Ready podcast listeners until the end of October. So head on down to botanicablends.com.au and use the code READY20 at the checkout. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. Jody, happy Friday, and I'm just going to say welcome back to the Retail Ready Podcast. Thanks for uh, wanting to do this again. Oh, you're welcome, Ben. Nice to oh. talk to you again. Yeah, I, I think from the feedback that we got from your episode, which would now be probably four or five weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, so many people sent in messages, and from the I, I have a little um, platform that tells me how many listeners uh, tune in. And yeah. I can honestly say your episode brought in a whole load of new listeners and mm. I got new comments to basically say this opened that, that episode, which I highly recommend listeners, uh, if you've not listened to Jody's first episode, um, just flick back after this episode. So listen here first, guys, um, because it opened their minds up to a whole new world that they've never heard of. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you back because we're talking about a whole new world that, again, I don't I don't know much about. And as we're saying offline, I'm kind of like the pupil and you're the teacher and I'm looking forward to chatting more. But first of all, how are you and how's everything going at Mintel uh, the last couple of weeks? Uh, good, good. Um, I'm very well, thanks. We've been flat out. Lots of clients <clears throat> are wanting to know heaps of things about plant protein, sustainability, uh, localism, and what the future looks like post-COVID. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, yeah, we're flat out answering those questions. And are you seeing the same? So when COVID kicked off in Australia, mm. let's say March time to literally the last couple of weeks, yeah. are you seeing the same stuff that, was stated by Mintel at the early days or have you seen a shift in behavior now that people are understanding what COVID-19 is and kind of whether the fear's been slightly removed a little bit what what's your views there yeah yeah I mean definitely things have settled down panic buying obviously settled down anxiety levels have settled down probably the most interesting thing we saw though was um a big shift in consumer attitudes towards buying Australian made. Yeah, okay. So when we asked that question in July 2019, 44% of people said they were interested in buying Australian made or always tried to. Mm. In December, just when the bushfires were raging, we asked that question again that it lifted to 48%. And then in July this year, so post bushfires and mid COVID, it had lifted up to 52 yeah, so that's wow. like a yeah a nice trend happening there, and we certainly see that in verbatims, and and you hear it on the news. Like people are just trying to support their local communities, their local coffee shops, you know, um, as a way that they're just like that the way they can make a difference. Yeah, very interesting. I just literally before um, you came online, then I was uh, FMCG News just uh, released a, an article, kind of. And they were talking about cocooning. Like they, yeah. they um, are you seeing the same? Where even after this, because 
we're, we're coming to the well i'm hoping we're coming to the end here in melbourne um mm. <laughs> is, by the time by the time this episode's released i'm hoping uh, dan andrews is kind of moving things ahead because mm-hmm. we're on i think today was around about seven cases so what i'm what i'm what i'm hearing and reading this article is more money will be spent at home because people yeah. have have got used to being at home a lot and also the fear of kind of going to public places are you seeing the same trends as well from kind of purchasing behaviors and consumer behaviors oh definitely definitely we we're throwing around some names like home is my castle but definitely yeah. um household products cleaning products home improvement products yeah anything even meal kits anything to have at home is definitely doing well at the moment it's crazy. I, just, I, just, I always look back on like the start of the year when everyone was talking about early trends, whether that was like, oh, keto is going to blow up. And mm-hmm. um, I, I would say, yeah, keto was there. Probiotics was just touching the surface and how a pandemic can change and just shift everyone's behavior within a short space of time when some trends take years to build. So yeah, absolutely fascinating, but we're not talking COVID today. We, we, we are talking next generation immigration, uh, which is a bit of a mouthful, but I'm really uh, looking forward to hearing how the next generation of immigrants can affect and influence food, which we're seeing in Australia. And this is a whole new world to me. I know, I know as a food consumer, um, I'm, I'm all around the space of kind of blurring the lines between Australian cuisine and whether it's a fusion um, going on. But you're going to touch on it in more detail and kind of go, what is it all about? Where's, where did it start? And what's your views on it? So I'll, I'll let you go for it and as i say i'm yeah. i'm the pupil in this space so i'm i'm going to learn a lot from uh, what you have to have to say so yeah over to you jody okay um i guess i'm just really fascinated with the food culture in australia and i guess i came from an immigrant father and yeah, okay. he grew up in cabramatta in sydney uh because there's a migrant hostel there so that was all the eastern european immigrants coming in and then in the 70s, the Vietnamese immigrants started coming. So I had that interesting experience of going to visit my grandmother who was still making Russian borscht mm-hmm. and um, going down shopping in Cabramatta that used to be full of all Eastern European delis and suddenly all these Viet- Vietnamese restaurants were appearing. And next thing you know, my grandmother started putting chilli sauce, sweet chilli sauce in her borscht. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. And, I, and it was awesome. It made it so much better. <laughs> Uh, And she quite embraced all the Vietnamese influx. A lot of Australians didn't because it brought, you know, there was a whole lot of stuff going on around there. But, you know, there was all these beautiful fabric stores and silks and cheap fabrics coming in and my grandmother's a great sewer. So she really got into that Vietnamese culture. And I guess I've always been sensitive to that and watched Australia change as different immigrant waves come through and what that does to different, you know, the way we eat and drink yep. particularly. So, you know, the most obvious example at the moment, or one of the obvious examples is Boone Cafe in Sydney. Oh, cool. I've never heard of that. Oh, my God. Oh, it's, yeah, okay. It's in the centre of Sydney in a little park called Thai Town. 
and it is this beautiful um, grocer-cum-cafe. And you go there for every, everything you would want if you are going to cook, cook a Thai meal, all the beautiful groceries, as well as a, a chilled cool room with um, fresh fruit and vegetables and all the herbs you would need to make nice Thai food. And then they have a cafe there that's part Thai, part Western, because I believe this family, the parents, ran a successful chain of Thai restaurants. Um, then the children grew up and have gotten involved in this business and now they also have a family farm in Byron Bay um, nice. where they grow, yeah. <laughs> if you're going to do it, yeah, do it yeah, properly. Yeah, do it well. <laughs> but, you know, they grow all their beautiful herbs up there and a better, like a good climate as well for some of those more tropical ingredients. Um, and then the kids have expressed their culture in this restaurant so you can get some nice traditional Thai foods, but you can also get a sourdough toasted sandwich that's got you know, a Thai red chilli flavour through the chicken and a bit of rocket and on a nice Western sourdough. Um, So it's this beautiful blend of the cultures and I guess the expression of that that generation that have grown up steeped in Thai culture but also living half their lives in Australia and soaking up the best of that as well. So, you know, I mean, we see people like Luke Nguyen, Kylie Kwong, children of immigrants growing up in Australia and then really contemporising um, Asian cuisine and taking it up market. So yes. decades ago, Chinese restaurants, et cetera, were sort of fairly suburban, nothing fancy, but, uh, you know, their restaurants earned several hats um, <laughs> and were quite high end. So, yeah. Oh, fascinating. Because I've, since I've been in Australia, coming up to eight years, so this is, yeah, I'm in my seventh year of Australia, and it has opened my eyes because living in the UK, you've got a whole different kind of demographic, and especially in Manchester, like I was down the road, so literally a kilometre away, was um, a famous road called the Curry Mile, which mm. had, it was just restaurant after restaurant of selling curries, and mm that was the typical English, like you'd either have fish and chips or you'd go for a curry. And I think the chicken tikka masala was like the number one most consumed meal in the UK. And you've got all these English people like, oh, I'm English 100%. Oh, and it's like, well, you've got a, (laughs) you've got an Indian uh, meal as your number one uh, meal um, to be consumed. So when I come over to Australia and... I've, I, it, it took me to Australia to actually have Thai food and actual Asian um, food because it, it just was unheard of. And yeah. for me, uh, Asian was Indian. And I learned, that mis- I learned that mistake one night when I turned up to a restaurant. And I was like, oh, this, this, isn't, I'm, this is not a, <laughs> a vindaloo or a chicken tikka masala. <laughs> and I absolutely love the fact that there is these blends of different uh, cultures that I have not been a- around, but I see it from a restaurant point of view. Where, what do you see it from a product's point of view? And do you see that correlation moving into actual products that consumers can buy? Yeah, yeah. So for years growing up, the Australian food scene was run by companies that were Australian-owned or maybe American-owned or British-owned or whatever. Um, And we're definitely seeing a lot more um, Asian 
um, big companies coming in buying up Australian brands and that's really changing our food landscape. But um, I think when I first started really becoming aware of it, it was uh, Fine Food Australia in Melbourne in 2018 and I yeah, came across okay. two little companies, one called G-Vo, J-E-V-O, which is short for Juice Evolution, and the other oh, one okay, was cool. um, Good Seed Kefir. And both of those little startups were run by, um, I, I can never remember if it was first generation or second generation mm. Asian immigrants. You know, parent, their parents had come here and they were born here. And they were really both trying to combine, um, you know, Western hip beverage trends with some of their Asian ingredients and attitudes to health. So incorporating TCM ingredients into a kefir. So Good Seed had a chrysanthemum and honey um, combination. And the owner that I spoke to there said that was a nod to their traditional Chinese medicine, you know, belief. Apparently that's a good combination. I don't don't really (laughs) understand why. And and the juice company as well, they were using um, a combination of things like watermelon but then some more... um, tropical Asian fruits like um, dragon fruit, something called amberella, Thai lime, et cetera. And they had a, they were being guided by Asian health. They use that in their slogan. slogan. Interesting. Um, yeah, but then, you know, so bigger than them, then, then that started my awareness of, God, what else is going on? And um, <clears throat> even in, you know, things like there's lots of bubble tea chains here and now yeah. we're seeing, that's becoming really mainstream with Hungry Jacks now putting them into their bursties, they've called them. I guess um, sort of Australianized the little pearls somewhat. Yeah, um, it's very true. I didn't actually yeah. put that two and two together, to be honest. And, yeah, yeah. That, I can't believe that. I, yeah, it was like, I was like, oh, they're just playing a bit of fun with that that product. But, yeah, it makes sense to, to yeah. tap into that consumer trend. Yeah. yeah, bubble tea. But, yeah, you know, different, you know, well, using that, you know, sort of blurring those two drinks. I think it's like a Slurpee type drink. Yeah. Anyway, um, and another thing I've been noticing is um, Korea is one of the biggest sort of coffee drinking countries in this region and um, they've got an amazing coffee culture over there. If you go to Seoul, there's just, they're everywhere, these coffee oh, chains. Wow. And I've noticed in my area, I don't know what's happening in Melbourne, that a number of Koreans opening really cool cafes selling seriously good coffee in sort of this Western slash Korean way um, that's sort of almost Scandinavian in its aesthetic. Um, but what yeah, a, what a mixture of literally <laughs> a bit of a bit of everything. That that sounds fantastic. That yeah, <laughs> I, I want to go. And this and like Boone, it's just that same blend of. Um, western slash korean food on the menu so um you know but sorry back to packaged food and drink um you know like kit kat chocolatories it was japan um kit kat japan that went crazy with all their flavors and they've sort of exported that um concept throughout the region and now we've got it here in australia um calbi who are one of the biggest salty snack manufacturers oh uh, yeah and they're, they're making a bit of headway down here in the snack food aisle with their snap pea crisps and some other products. Um, and then in, yeah, uh, beverages, like, for example, the alcoholic industry, Suntory now have um, Jim Bean. Um, and so 
as part of that ownership, we're seeing more sort of Japanese whiskies and gins come down here and Frucor, uh, Suntory owned Frucor as well. So they've bought the Boss canned coffee out now, um, which is yeah. a big, big product and yeah. Asia. Um, and now that's come here as well, which is really interesting considering we drink so much coffee. Why do we want it in a can? It's so, yeah. that, that segment is quite big. And many years ago, it was just like truck drivers and, and tradesmen. I think Adelaide was the capital for iced coffee milk yeah. in Australia. Um, I think you can still get 800 mil bottles that the truck drivers can buy in roadhouses on the highways between Darwin and Adelaide. Um, so I just wonder who's drinking that, boss, and is it those... Is it that demographic? Is yeah, it... who is it? Yeah, you wonder how long it'll last because from what I see, um, like it's interesting that you touch on all those t- topics because it, it takes someone like yourself to open your eyes to go, oh, yeah, yeah, drink that. And, oh, yeah, I saw that. And mm-hmm. then it you go, yes, there is an impact in this space coming. Mm-hmm. And when you talk about, yeah, the coffee, the canned coffee space, I um I actually noticed in my fridge at home um the the minor figures uh canned oh, coffee. Yes. Yep. And I, I and my wife bought some and I was like, You've never bought this before. Why have like what's going on here? And she goes, Oh, the convenience and I just fancied something different and and that was when I went, Hold on a minute, where's this shift happening? Like why like my wife is like a long black drinker, like mm. that's all she goes for. But for some reason in the last couple of weeks, and I don't know, I have, have a clue where this kind of uh, change occurred. But, yeah, she's now going after the canned uh, coffee. But mm. she wouldn't touch the boss one because she goes, well, we we have good coffee in Australia. But then I was like, uh, I don't think Minor Figures is Australian either. So, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, it's an interesting kind of category in itself, that space, because I, I don't know much about it and I don't know who the consumer is. All I know is my wife is now drinking those <laughs> options. So is it that consumer that they're tapping into? I don't know. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's fascinating that you, you touch on kind of ingredients that, they incorporate into products as well like it's not a 100 percent dragon fruit product it's mm. it's a safe ingredient with a bit of asian influence and mm. it's one funny thing is we we launched um, a brand of jackfruit um that you can find at coles at the moment so hudson's jackfruit and mm. It's funny because when you do a taste test, this was like 18 months, 24 months ago when yeah. you start the concept and you taste it and you get you get everyone involved, everyone involved, finance team, accounts and stuff like that. And there was a lady called Belinda here and I was like, oh, are you trying it? And she goes, no, I grew up with this stuff. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is just normal food for some people. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but, but for the, especially for the, the white English person in the room, it was like, oh, my God, this is brand new. <laughs> it's yes, like, no, yes. we, we've been having it for years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, really interesting. But, yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm intrigued to see where that, where do you see that space evolving? Like, what, what's your views in, on there then now that you've, you've seen it blur across different categories? 
Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I mean, I think there's no going back. I think it's going to, um, our food landscape is going to change quite markedly going forward. I, I think recently they, Australian government blocked the big Chinese dairy company, Monyu, from buying up, oh, damn it, now I can't remember who it was, one of that, might yeah. have been LD&D, Lion Dairy. Yeah, okay. um, yeah, but I think Illy, who's the, another big player over there, have some um, shares in some dairy companies down here in Australia and New Zealand. I think, yeah, increasingly we're seeing the rise of, these businesses in the Asian region and they're buying up um, companies in places like Australia that are great manufacturers of food. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, and we're seeing Australians just are so open and already exposed to Asian flavours. It just makes sense. Some of these brands, now we grew up being influenced by Coke and McDonald's and now yeah. we're going to be more influenced by, you know, Asahi beer and Kalbi crisps potentially. Um, even do, in the breads. Oh, sorry, go on. Yeah. Sorry, do, do you see any influence from any other kind of backgrounds or demographics? Like, I know Asian will probably be the the, the prominent and dominant um, area of kind of whether it's product development, flavors, and profile. Do you, from your research, do you see any other? kind of area whether that's Scandinavia or whether it's um Spanish coming through or do you see it's going to be an Asian influence for quite a while um the demo it just all points to Asia yeah yeah interesting yeah yeah Yeah, because all all the products you just mentioned before you kind of you go, yeah, that's it. yeah Asian Asian and it's going and when how I look at things is how how many categories can it touch? Because it always has to start with one category. Mm. And you just touched on it then with Asahi and Kieran beer. It's mm. now steps into yeah, the, the alcoholic space and then the coffee space. So yeah, re- really interesting that you brought that to my attention because you you could just kind of let it go by without actually seeing these cues. Mm. And before you know it, you kind of go, hold on a minute. Like, I've got a, a Kieran beer in my hand. I'm eating... Uh, an Asian infused starter main course, and f- for to finish off, I might have a, a boss coffee from, yeah. <laughs> from Japan. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I find that really fascinating. Yeah, yeah. No, it's um. I mean, even I look at my kids, like at their local school canteen, the number one meals on the menu were like butter chicken and sushi and mm. my kids are you know they like the Calbee's pea crisp things and they like these seaweed weed snacks we're getting from the asian grocer you know i just sort of it's so different to my childhood and um <laughs> yeah. you know but in a good way i so i don't mean that in a yeah. bad way like this is their palates are so much more sophisticated it's all good stuff um it's just fascinating i guess as someone in the food industry just to see this shift and see the change it's um, so fascinating yeah we yeah, yeah. We, t- we touched on it on the um the previous episode we did together because i and like i say i i'm always intrigued to know when my daughter is whether she's 16 17 or 18 what will her world be like and mm. Like you just touched on it, your your upbringing and my upbringing was mm. like, I just remember sausage and mash, um, pie and chips, yeah. 
and yeah. you kind of go okay perfect very happy with that and then yeah, yeah then then a, an indian shop opens and it's like oh shall we be adventurous and mm. and now you come to australia and kids like you said kids are eating sushi for lunch you're like jesus yeah. christ like when 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 did that happen like yeah. <laughs> i just yeah. had garlic bread and yeah. <laughs> you go this is really interesting what's mm. what's then the next trend and the next journey um into that space and do you do you think the health has a big um input on this so like that because it's all fresh ingredients from what i know and what i've tasted and tried and do you do you see that there's a few variables that tick this growing trend or do you just see it that kids are more well not kids but the younger generation like myself and younger just get uh, are more willing to accept and it's more just commonly available mm, mm. sorry i'm just pondering that question what's driving it yeah um i mean i look back at australian food culture when i was growing up and it wasn't that exciting um <laughs> maybe it's just it all just tastes so much i mean sorry we i mean our food culture came was derived from british food culture yeah. And, you know, white bread and probably a bit of American food processing in there, white bread, craft cheese, singles, um, canned fruit. It was pretty grim pickings, yeah. mm-hmm. um, you know, whereas the food that we're now being exposed to through Asian and, and it also European and Middle Eastern immigration is just so much more exciting and flavourful and generous and and even healthy. Yeah. So, um so yeah I mean I think it's just a mix of a whole lot of things not just health but you know the demographic profile now and um people voting with their with their palates to some extent I I find it like again it's been another great episode where you've opened my eyes and Mm. people who are listening yeah it's I always find that it it's always a good sign when you listen to something and then when you go out at the weekend and you look and you kind of go, oh yeah, look at that, yeah, there's, there's a the different restaurant selections and even got like I'll be going to the supermarket tonight. You, it will be yeah, I'll actually keep my eye open and see yeah where these tweaks because nothing's ever a, a full straight like you don't dive into the the deep end. That's something I've realised with product development. Like mm. you need to add in that extra one percent here and there to to yeah. bring to bring that consumer along on the journey. And mm. one biggest mistake I've done, and uh, I always go back to it, is kind of I did a product that just stretched the customer too far. Like it was, yeah. it, was it, it should have never got past the concept stage, but for some reason it did. And mm. it, it went on the shelf and it was a flop because I added ingredients that people had unheard of in a packaging format that people weren't used to with a texture that no one ever consumed for breakfast and i was like why did that fail and it was because i didn't do like you said at the start maybe i should have added a one percent of dragon fruit so people go oh yeah oh that was nice and then next time they try it it might be dragon fruit with i don't know jackfruit and it's stepping those flavors and that concept um stage at a time so I'm, I, yeah. yeah, I'll definitely be keeping my eyes open. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. One of the 
more successful adaptations of a um, sort of one of these Asian foods that have come in that I've seen is um, Japanese milk bread that's really popular throughout Asia and, and, and bread top. Oh, wow. The agent, yeah, makes it and lots of people like it. But at the same time, it was sort of very serendipitous because at the same time that Asian bread chain thing was happening down here and bread top was pr- proliferating, yeah. Australians got really into their gourmet burgers. And for a while it was like the brioche bun. Yeah. Like you know, and then someone discovered the milk bread was really soft and white <laughs> and sort of wrapped around the burger and soaked up the juices really well. And um you know, it became like the the burger bun of choice for um, upmarket Australian um, burger joints. So, yeah. you know, there's a bit of serendipity in there as well. Um, and just, I guess, some of those foods sort of adapting, you know, quite well it's, with the other trends that are going on at the time. So true. And I love, I love that someone somewhere, and I don't know how these things happen, but someone might have just run out of bread and yeah, the yeah. only thing the only thing that was available was whether it was a brioche or something yeah. and they tried it and they went actually this works this told works. a friend yeah told someone else and before yeah. you know it yeah the brioche burn or whatever it is um yeah. kind of escalates and people yeah. go why has no one done this sooner <laughs> it's like yeah. really interesting but mm. i appreciate it i i want i want to just finish off with mm. basically saying we're now heading we're literally now heading into the Christmas period. Yeah. What What does the next few months um, mean for you from a, a work uh, perspective? Like, mm. do you, because you don't think about the next couple of months, you'll be thinking about next year. So yeah. what does that look like in terms of yourself and your team? Um, just an overview, just to, yeah, to get people excited for 2021. Yeah, well, we're working on our um, annual trends right now. So they come out at the end of the year slash beginning of the year every year. Yep. Last year we did 2030 trends, um, then COVID hit. Yep. And then we did how COVID has sped up our 2030, <laughs> how COVID's brought the future forward. Um, so this year we're um, we're doing I our come trend. On. Come on, guys, get, we need to start thinking. Even we've got, yeah. <laughs> we need to think further. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, we're sort of doing sort of the now, next and and beyond sort of uh, looking at that now. So uh, there's some interesting things we're looking at. Probably some of the more interesting spaces are e-commerce and how products need to be designed for that channel, being very novel, visual, able to go viral um, as well, you know, because people definitely are post-COVID more shopping more online, more direct-to-consumer businesses have um, really benefited from the lockdown and that really changes innovation um so we're really there's some fascinating stuff going on there and um probably the other thing i'm we're looking at or i'm really interested in is hoping we're going to see more innovation around native ingredients um we've seen them sort of take off you know in a small way for quite a while but with this increase in australia made and localism and people doing so much domestic travel now um, I'm going to be, I'll be really excited if I can get more products available in, you know, lemon myrtle flavour um, going forward. Well, I can, I can personally say just watch this space because, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I'm, I'm keen to explore. So hopefully uh, you'll be going, oh, I remember chatting to Ben about that because, yeah, I definitely think that the local travel that 
it's definitely for the next 12 months, but there'll be a lot more people visiting Australian places that they've never been to and hopefully try in Australian cuisine or Australian yeah. ingredients. That, yes. Um, and yeah, because restaurants will be going back open and stuff like that. So yeah, it'd be definitely, mm. definitely a good trend to follow. So I'll mm. be, well, I'll be playing in that space and I'll be definitely following that space. So it's, it's nice to hear, but good. I just, want, I just want to say thank you again, because one, it's always great to hear um, from you and hear your insights because you're surrounded by all this insights and knowledge um, and it's absolute pleasure that you can share it. So thank you for you and thank you for Mintel for letting you be able to do this. So I appreciate um, everything you've said. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you, Ben. Thank you and look forward to hopefully doing another one um, yeah. and yeah, t- touch on some more subjects. So thank you very much. Okay, thank you.